And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, Facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod, Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod, SoundCloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on <laughs> Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst. And we're also on Spotify. Um, make sure you give us a check there. And if you want to email us, you can do thethirstpod at gmail.com. Don't forget that you can also have a look at the blog as well, which is thethirstpod.wordpress.com. Um, and also have a look at the show notes as well, because we'll be linking to the blog that has all of the helpful links to articles etc it does in short if you look up the thirst anywhere you'll probably find us not, not everywhere though there's maybe, a weird band on... that's called the thirst oh no that is true yeah we get just some... put pod on the end sometimes we get tweets for them and it's Do we? funny yeah i didn't even know that oh it's a bit random are they more popular than us though? no it doesn't oh, okay. it seems like someone's often <laughs> you, you're quick to answer that no 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 often people go back really far and will have liked tweets from a very long time ago it's yeah. all very odd yeah, um anyway uh this is episode 29 got anything for that have you it's 29's really hard well there's one obvious apart from it's my own age it is your own, oh. what's the obvious one uh, there's a Ryan Adams album called 29 oh god yes I did see that because I googled it and then was like ah, ah, uh, yeah if you go on Spotify that's the first thing that slightly comes up, awkward not oh, how triggering that's not a dice um, there's a there's a song called 29 dollars by Tom Waits that's... I've got that I also there's also a national song called 29 years is there yeah I also worked out that because I like birthdays Taylor Swift is 29 she is as is Chris Brown I thought it was like 45 Taylor Swift is 20 um, is 30 in uh, the end of the year though, yeah isn't December she, so. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is 29. Oh. I always forget he's younger than me. Good company you're in there. The Weeknd is 29. Who knew that he was that Is young? he? Yeah. I Are thought it was like 35. So we're back to Army Hammer all over again. That's just mind-blowing. But um, I'm probably just going to end up doing birthdays every every That's episode fine. now. Next one's a big one, isn't it? Oh, the big three zero. Big three Can't zero. wait. It's all exciting. So many puns. So on to um, some news that we're rounding up for March because it's been a little while. We did kind of two podcasts in quick succession we and we've had a bit of a break mainly because I was quite ill for a while. So You're that kind of Yeah, it was a bit poorly. So we're catching up a little bit by recapping some stuff from sort of earlier in the month and more recently. Um, so at the beginning of the month, we had the very sad news that Luke Perry had died after uh, suffering a massive stroke. Um, he died on Monday the 4th of March and it was confirmed by his publicist Arnold Robinson. The news of his stroke had emerged a few days prior and I saw a bunch of stuff on social media because I obviously follow all the Riverdale cast obviously and they were all kind of you know updating and praying for his recovery but it sounds like it was just a really really severe stroke he was surrounded by his children his fiance his ex-wife his mother his stepfather his brothers and sisters so he had everyone there with him but I think it was a really big shock to everyone um it seemed that way didn't it I mean just yeah I feel like I don't follow I mean the only sort of river daily person I follow on any social media is Cole Sprouse obviously I mean number one choice it seemed like across the board actually of other kind of uh, sort of celebrities or people of note that I do follow. Um, everyone seemed to have like nice, positive. So many stories nice about stories him. about him. He's one of those people who's really like beloved, I think, and he obviously spans generations yeah. because you know a lot of people know him as uh, Dylan McKay on Beverly Hills 90210 in the nineties. 
Um, apparently his character then, as the kind of young heartthrob, was so popular that in 1991, an expected crowd um, of 2,000 people at a Florida mall turned into a stampede of 10,000 people when he appeared at an autograph signing. Several people were hospitalised and they had to shut the doors and like lock him in because it was absolute like Such a chaos, phenomenon. which is mad. And then more recently, he's kind of come back on in his role as Fred Andrews for Riverdale. Um, and Fred was actually one of my favourite characters easily in the show he's like such a lovely lovely character and father figure and it sounds like from the Riverdale cast themselves that he was very much like a mentor and a father figure on set so it must be such a horrible yeah horrible thing I feel like for a lot of that young cast as well who are probably comparable ages to this is like their first big role yeah so so for Luke Perry who's probably been you know who has definitely been through that kind of being on a really popular TV show that kind of mm. shoots you into megastardom for like KJ Apple, like KJ Apple is like nineteen. Or yeah, something. and so I it must imagine, be really a I similar scenario. Luke Perry was very much like a guiding kind of spirit for a lot of those sort of young people. So it's why it's just you know it's been really interesting to see how his career kind of spans yeah. sort of two big. Yeah, he's had two big. Like yeah, that. and it's been yeah he's kind of seen the same generation, like you know another generation yeah. kind of do the same thing as his sort of earlier work and he's you know he's not like a huge superstar but he's obviously had like this huge cultural impact on a lot of people so I think lots and lots of people feeling extra sad about it um and it is such a shame and I think we just wanted to acknowledge it because he's you know I didn't watch 90210 or not that iteration I watched the like the classy later one that came out um in the 2000s but yeah he was easily one of the best characters on Riverdale and I haven't watched an episode since yet because I don't think I want to yeah. so it's going to make me sad and I also don't really know what they're going to do with it now because it was such a sudden departure and they're obviously kind of filming mm. as they go so um, the rest of this season is going to be dedicated to him he's also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh. apparently so we'll see him again in July which mm. will be quite sad as well but um, yeah R.I.P. Luke Perry um, something else that's been in the news uh, recently is uh, Operation Varsity it's my Blues. my favourite thing ever. I just love scandals. I thought Fire Festival was, like, fun enough. And we've now had this. And the Elizabeth Holmes, like, yeah. oh, my God. It's so, just Theranos thing. It's just been such a good... It's just been it's such a good great month of time. For, it has. Great month for scandals. Oh so, Operation Varsity Blues. So, uh, the news broke a few a week or so ago that Fuller House actress Laurie Loughlin and Desperate Housewives veteran, it says here, hilarious. Veteran. Uh, Felicity Huffman were among a group group of 46 people who've been charged in a widespread college admissions bribery scandal which was dubbed by the FBI Operation Varsity Blues um that for me Such I just thought was lovely. like the best name it is and like usually those names are so like not really related to whatever they're they're so abstract often. yeah just that random but that's term. just so that's very it. funny so it. kind of a, just a little bit of an overview of the whole scandal so prosecutors filed charges against 33 parents some of who are accused of paying between and this is insane $200,000 and $6.5 million $6.5 million to get your stupid kid into to college to get their children into elite universities you could just give them that money and they're set for life yeah it's mad isn't it There's so other people that are involved are college coaches people for who are involved in accepting bribes in payment for grant admission um, and the scheme also involve faking SAT and ACT scores which are exams you have to take to get into college in the States obviously it's different for us because the process is slightly I don't know different none of us have enough money to bribe ourselves into can you imagine having that much money to just honestly it is some of my favorite things of this are firstly I just don't understand that your children are for you know for the sake of a better word 
too dumb to get into these universities. So you're going to bribe to get them in. But then how are they going to yeah. manage university once they get there? Because it's not just the entrance, like getting into it, that's the problem. Like, if they, how are they going to maintain any kind of standard of that degree? It's just real. it's just such a weird... And also, like, a lot of these kids, for example, like Laurie Lothman's daughter, like, doesn't give a shit about you. Well, Olivia Jade is very interesting. so funny. So, because she's like a, a YouTuber and Instagram influencer who's... She's a social media influencer, on, isn't she? On m- multiple occasions has said on her platforms that she has no interest in college, that she's only going because she wants to have like the college experience which basically Quote, part I don't know how much of school I'm going to attend. I do want the experience of game days and partying. I don't really care about school. It's wild to me that you would attempt to uh, to get into like a, a very like a note like a I don't know a good school and then just sack it off in order to kind of right. I mean, why are you bother investing all that money on your child when they're clearly not going to bother? Well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of with this um, particular sting as it is. Sting. Um, there's what? been a lot of discussion about actually whether the kids knew or not, and I think in the oh, case bullshit. of like Olivia Jade, I, I don't like think she. I think that that she didn't necessarily realise actually. I mean, that she probably knew that her parents had helped, but she didn't realise. I think that like because the thing I'd found was quite funny. There was like photoshopping. Oh my of, god! Of, um, well, this is yeah. This is the thing I don't like. Like the photoshopping thing. Like if you've paid, like Laurie Loughlin paid for her daughters to be like on sports scholarships or whatever so they had to like pose on a rowing machine for like action photos like fake photos so like did you not question like mum why are you making me sit on this rowing machine that i like never go on the thing is with those those sports scholarships i mean someone who actually has been to school in the states might be able to correct me but i'm pretty sure that if you get into college on a sports scholarship but you have to do some sport you have to do some sport but then you also like your grades have to be consistently good because you're there under the proviso that like you have to do well in school but also like be doing your sports yeah so have they just both taken up like coxwaining since then Isn't i think that i had to google oh i, had to, I, go, like, I had to google what this is coxwain yeah crew steering a boat sure is it, i'm not even sure that really is a sport yeah. so i so, mean they probably could pick that up at some point um just some key fallout from this whole thing so uh, laurie loughlin was dropped by fuller house on netflix and hallmark um of which she's got shows on um her daughter olivia jade as we've mentioned has lost all of her sponsorships which included sephora amazon dolce and gabbana tresemme J- mark jacobs and a hell of a lot more um she has said that she won't be returning to usc because obviously you know bullying relentlessly. obviously yes um, i think her younger sister is also enrolled but it's not sure what she's going to be doing um this is my favorite pop part because i thought like this is what happens with news stories like this and this is like the rapidity of news these days so it's like a publisher has already signed a deal to write a book about oh yeah the i saw about that about the book like jesus yeah Christ. so uh N- nicole laporte a former variety reporter who writes for fast company signed a deal with 12 books to write guilty admissions a story oh about that i mean this was my this was my uh one of the things i most enjoyed was people immediately as soon as this news broke talking about like oh god the film version of this is going to be amazing oh yeah it's who gonna... is going to play who like yeah, absolutely well you, well you know who can play who because you've got some ready-made actresses here who've been through it themselves they can play themselves the thing Let's with felicity get... the thing with felicity huffman though is that there's... i honestly didn't forgot that felicity huffman even existed until this happened well she's married to obviously william h macy and yeah. he's he's not 
I don't think that he was arrested, but he is, he is the spouse that is cited in a lot of the documents yeah. in, in reference to her. So it'll be interesting yeah, to see Yeah, the husbands what... have done all right out of this, yeah. really, haven't they? Like, oh, I was sort of new. I sort of sowed the seeds, but then I totally backed off. It's like, yeah. okay, so, I see. William H. Macy wasn't charged and isn't named on the affidavit, but it'll be interesting to see actually what the fallout is for his career in particular. I mean, obviously, Desperate Housewives did come over here as well and was popular, but these are celebrities that, like aren't really touched or really a thing in England which is also why it's quite funny because they're embroiled in these huge scandals with loads of money and it's like I I barely even know who you are depressingly it's also my first reaction when I hear Felicity Huffman is that oh I know that she's married to William H. Macy so even though she was in Desperate Housewives a show I did watch I still wife of yeah she's still more known here I suppose for being William H. Macy's but it looks like yeah I mean it looks like the wives are coming out worse with this but it'd be interesting to see whether the husbands do get any kind of knock on yeah, I mean, a lot of celebrities sort of waded in. Uh, Will, uh, James Vanderbeek was my favourite of them who spoke out about it because obviously he's in Varsity Blues. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The good, the good that he tweeted. But <sighs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just interesting when you think about A, the, the college system in the States and also what happens when you are a rich person and you can essentially just buy your way into doing anything. But they sort of bribed them into like middle grade schools. It wasn't like, even like it It's was not Yale, like Stanford, Harvard, is it? Stanford. Or like... No, if you're going to mm, do it, aim high. That's like you're over here bribing to get someone into like Reading University. No, no like no shade no shade on reading my ex-boyfriend but you know it's it's like you had to bribe to get them into a middle grade i think your kids were doing perfectly well without having gone to college by the looks of things if they had a fucking sephora sponsorship i don't think olivia jade needs to go to college they're in a significantly worse off place now thanks to you but yeah i think once they i mean my this has been hilarious especially the photoshopping stuff and the idea of like these parents faking that their children have a learning disability in order to get them extra time for these SATs, which is just mind-blowing. But now all this funny stuff has happened and I've kind of laughed. Like, I'm not going to read the book. I don't need to know anything more. I'll go and see the bloody film, though. I'd probably go and see the film, that's true. It depends who they cast, but... I mean, this is... I don't need to see a book. Or I don't really care. I don't even care if they really go to jail at this point, I think. Well, I just this has th- been the main funny bit for me. I think it's important to say that none of them are going to go to jail, are they? No, because they're Apart rich. from, like, and Rick white. Singer, who was the guy that's orchestrated all of it. No one's going to do prison time. No, absolutely so. not. No, that's just the... I want to say it's the American way. Rich people do dumb things, I think, yeah, they is really the, do. the cruxness. Um, just a final thing, I suppose. Um, I've done a timeline. Uh, you bloody love a timeline. It's a relationship timeline. Relationship timeline. Uh, many moons ago, we did, we charted the uh, relationships highs and lows of uh, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. It turned into an Ariana podcast for a while. Yeah, so there we, was like a monthly, so like a, well, fortnightly update. Uh, so we hung back a little bit, but this is something we have alluded to briefly, I think, on the podcast. But just things have happened recently that I wanted to chart even further. So uh, it's Kate Beckinsale and. Uh, uh, Pete Davidson. Oh, God. So weirdest union ever. I feel like separately, Kate Beckinsale is obviously extremely hot. Pete Davidson has got that hot thing that we've discussed that's sort of difficult to name but is a thing. Yeah. But together, I just find them really horrific. Isn't it odd? And quite ugly. Isn't it strange? So Ugly as a concept, it's not just, as people. Well, I think you know I, I find mean. it even more bizarre than Ariana Grande and Pete oh, Davidson. Oh, 100%. I'm not like, I can't quite... When people were like, ah, oh, Pete makes her laugh. It's like, I, 
Apart from that, what have you got in common? At least with Pete and Ari, it was like they were age, close in age. He's like 25, isn't he? Uh, I think so. And then Ariana Grande is like obviously the same age. Kate Beckinsale's 45, so it's like, oh, she loves a younger man. Loves a younger man. More power to her, but. Good for her. Anyway, so so obviously they were first spotted together leaving a Golden Globes party in January. That was the 8th of January. That was the one we addressed because we were. That was That was a real, yeah, that wasn't. That came left field and wasn't expecting that. So after that, 10th of January, Kate vaguely addressed uh, rumours on Instagram in reply to a fan comment. 14th of January, uh, Pete vaguely addresses rumours during a stand-up set when someone calls out Kate's name. 4th of Feb, they're photographed leaving a show in LA holding hands heading to Pete's hotel. Uh, 18th of February... Do he has a house? Or uh, he doesn't live in LA. He lives in New York. Oh, He's maybe. probably homeless at the moment because he was living with Ari, wasn't he? I was going to so. say, that's what I was trying to work out. Like, is he basically just like a hotel and couch surf? Thing at the he moment, talked before about when he and Ariana Grande split up. He had to go and live back with his mum in Staten Island. So, okay, oh, there we go. Eighteenth uh, of Feb, Kate again responds to a comment on Instagram which criticises her dating choices. Uh, and then this is the big one, the one that the reason we're talking about this is fourth of March. Um, the two of them are photographed together oh, at the a extreme New York PDA. Rangers game. Yep, uh, a hockey game, kissing. Uh, this is where we got the fabulous photo featuring, so of course, tongue. Anthony Porowski. Yes, um, they're Anthony's just, face, pretty much. Like, Bond like a thousand memes. They fully knew that they were getting photographed, and they were. You don't. Like, you don't sit courtside like that. Like and unless, make out aggressively unless you want people to like. That's where you go to show people that you're an yeah, icon. Sure. So you don't you don't go there on the down low. So I did like that became a meme though. I memed it as well. Did so. you? Oh yes, you did. That was yeah. a very good meme. I liked that meme. Yeah. It was all yeah. It was all a lot, and the fa- it was just the faces really. I just really enjoyed the faces. Anthony just looked so world worn. Like. He looked confused and horrified, and like, he looked quite worried. Yeah. And he's quite friendly with Pete. And Kate, I think. I don't get these friendships. I don't, Why are all these no. people together? Tan's really friendly with um, some of the SNL lot and Pete as well as me. So weird. Celebrities. I don't, I don't get so, it. So uh, 11th of March, Pete addresses the double standards involved in dating older women whilst uh, during a weekend update sketch on SNL, which I watched. And it was, I mean, to be fair, he was making a real point about the fact that it's like, you know, there are many... That's old, acceptable. And then, there do you are, mean like it's acceptable for a younger man to date an older woman? No, That's he was talking about the fact that people think it's okay for older men to date younger women. Oh, yes. And Sorry. the fact that yeah. she's an older woman and she's dating yeah. a younger man, people seem quite critical about it. And yeah. then what he did was, which, fair play, was sit and list loads of older actors who have got younger wives or girlfriends or are notorious for mm-hmm. dating younger women, including Leonardo DiCaprio, who's yeah. relentless. Oh, my God, just relentless. Sidebar awful. Nation, there was that chart this week. I'm oh not my sure God. if you saw yes. it, which was like... The graph. Yeah, the mapping how old Leo is versus how old the women he dates are, which is... Look, he's nothing if not consistent. You know, we're like a consistent man. Um, 19th of March, the pair are seen leaving the LA premiere of the Motley Crue biopic, The Dirt. Apparently Pete's in it. Um, And then most importantly, which was a recent update, was on Friday, the 22nd of March, uh, Kate has deleted her oh, entire Oh yeah, she's deleted account everything, account. hasn't she? So her account, her account is still there, but she's either made... That takes like a lot of effort, just well, delete the account. either she's archived everything, which yeah. you can do. Can you bring it back if you've archived it? Yeah, I think it? so. Brilliant, good to know. I hope Timmy's done that, um, take note. So she's just gotten rid of everything, which is weird because she is quite a prolific social media user and my worry is that it's because she's been getting loads of shit for being with Pete. Did she think about turning off the comments? I don't know, it's weird, Because Tom Hardy's been pretty savvy with this from the beginning. Just don't let people comment on it and then you'll be okay yeah sad though um i liked her inter- internet co- content right she was good on i instagram. think yeah she was good on instagram i think it was very her um 
Well, I just, just I think the reason we wanted to address it was mostly because of that picture of them at the Rangers game, and also just because it's baffling. It's a baffling year. It's a really baffling. Not because even. of the age difference, no, but just because it's such a, like a random assortment of people getting together. I think I I was sort of addressing my own double standard really because on the flip side, I think older men dating younger women is absolutely gross, but. I is, would quite probably, when I'm 45, would love to date a younger man. If, so Timmy, if you were like 45 seems... and, and Timmy was the age he is now and he was like, do you want to go out on a date? You're yeah. not going to be like, no, Timothy Chalamet. Do you think I'd say no? I th- no, you wouldn't, would you? No, I absolutely wouldn't. So I'm quite happy. Like, yeah. I'm, like, I see this, apart from the fact that it's a, just a fucking baffling union. It's just like the age thing, I'm like, Kate, well done. Like, yeah. Fair play, pretty, Fair I mean, play, Kate. And, you know, probably good experience for him. Yeah. Like, probably needs like a girlfriend and a mother figure at the same time so lots of young men need that they need like a proper kick up the ass in lots of regards so least he'll like i don't know get his washing done at the same time as having a nice girlfriend probably um but i've definitely got my own double standard there where it'd be completely acceptable for me to like yeah date timothy chalamet but some old dude like leonardo dicaprio consistently having really young girlfriends is just really gross so i'm di- i'm sorry about my dear i'm working on that i'm not working on that i literally don't care i think this says i think it actually says a lot more about men dating younger women than it does about older women dating younger men i think there's i think the the male dynamic is, is the power dynamics prob- are probably a problematic. bit more grim aren't yeah they? that's what i think anyway Kate Beckinsale's hot and she can date whoever she wants. She can and, and she's doing pretty well. I hope it turns out. I mean, it's probably not going to last very no. long, is it? Um, two final small things and before we go on to what we're enjoying. Firstly, I just wanted to just take note of the fact that Supernatural has been cancelled, which I'm so sad about. Supernatural has been cancelled after, fi- well, it will be 15 seasons, which is, an in- to be fair, that's like an insane number of seasons. It's mad. Of a TV show which has like 24 episodes per season. That is so many episodes of television. It goes without saying. Um, I used to be like a devout Supernatural watcher. It got me through my Masters. Vaughn and I completely bonded over it in the most like obsessive way. It was ridiculous. So it got me through a lot. When I was sick, like, two weeks ago, and I was home, like, in bed for a week, I just watched Supernatural because it was, like, a total comfort for me. So I am genuinely gutted that it has finished, even though I have, like, two seasons to catch up with. But it's just really sad, and I feel sad for everyone who's, like, heavily invested in it because it's just, like... As soon as I saw the news, I, I just... My heart, like... Was physically hurting for you and Vaughn because I'm I know so how sad. much it means to you. I oh uh, I don't know if I'm gonna have to or oh, I don't know how I'm gonna watch the final season. And also the video of them announcing it is like Jensen and Jared um, and Misha is like they look like they're really trying not to cry. Aww. It's so sad. So I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean Jensen Ackles' acting career wasn't. I, I mean it wasn't great. Before the thing this. is though they'll have made a lot of money off this. So. I hope so. I and hope they can go, just retire and, and it'll go into syndication because if it's twenty four episodes per 15 seasons you have i think for a show to go into syndication i love that i know this is you yeah, have to be over 100 episodes oh they've got like five thousand episodes so they're okay they've made bank yeah that's i mean good for them i hope they find some they'll other just spend projects. a lot of time doing whatever they want in their personal lives and then going to lots of comic cons and things right? like that oh yeah they're gonna have like supernatural that's cons fun. forever but imagine doing something for like that 15 years it's like i don't know what people like there are still people in eastenders that are still going for like that's since i've been because it's like a solid job it's like the way that you and i go to work and that's just their job i know it's mad but um very sad and also like a really small update on timmy was that he's just recently filmed the french dispatch which is great 
and he's now filming June, the film in which everyone is in it. When really. we say June, I always just think of the month of June. June, 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 June. Um, you probably don't follow uh, Josh Brolin on Instagram, do no, you? No, no, I don't. Um, he is also in June. Is he? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he be? Everyone's in it. Everyone's in June. I'm in it. Yeah. All the people I want to be um, posting social media from the set of June are not, and then people like Josh Brolin who I don't really care about, other than I just got a morbid curiosity. What? Like he's Instagramming from June, so is he? How? rude he's not supposed to be doing that well i say instagramming he's like working out oh okay and being like i'm filming june you know i mean you would show off wouldn't you so that's the thing that'll be out that's well it'll be out in like years in 2020 but that's pretty exciting um and also the fact that the call me by your name book is obviously getting a sequel now how do you feel about it i don't need it i was initially quite i mean obviously i'm gonna read it but i mean i was i was initially quite excited by the news but now I am sceptical. I do like... Did you see that Army Hammer interview where he yes. was asked about it? I was it? about to say, like, I felt initially... You know, when all the news came out initially and it was like, Army's on board, Timmy's on board, Luca's on board. Oh, um, Dakota Johnson... Dakota Johnson? Yeah. yeah. Dakota Johnson's on board. I was just like, oh, why are they all doing this? Surely they should have more sense. But it now sounds like that was really flippant in the way that they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, that'd be fine. And actually, Army's been like... I liked his response. I think we should leave it alone. Yeah. Like, I've not really... I would only really do it if everyone else really wanted to do it because basically I'd be a dick if I didn't. And I feel like Army Hammer is the most desperate person to have an Oscar ever. Yeah. So if he thought for a second that something would win him an Oscar, he would jump at it. So if he's sceptical, yeah. I feel... I feel a bit safer that there probably won't be a sequel film now, which yeah. is fine I am, by I me. I am optimistic that the book will be interesting. I don't need it. I but, feel like I'd rather have a book sequel than a film sequel. Yeah, that, that, this is this is what I think why I was quite hyped on it because I was like actually I think I would much rather have a novel based sequel to it than actually have to endure a sequel to the film which I think would just really really bum me out it's and just potentially work, really, trounce my I don't know right love for the this, the OG film so. exactly so I think we're I feel sort of slightly cautiously safer, optimistic yeah. cautiously optimistic I think we're on like safer ground now so we'll see how that develops so under what we've been enjoying recently um, on the movies front something that we'd sort of alluded to I think that we were kind of interested alluded in uh, seeing was uh, Captain Marvel yes which Captain we did Marvel. finally see last week it's the uh, 21st instalment in the Marvel Cinematic Bloody Universe hell one thing I did think when we were in the cinema and every single trailer was a DC or Marvel trailer I was well, like holy hell this is getting like so this is the first of three MCU related films we're getting this year so Endgame comes out next month and then we've also got Spider-Man Far From Home in July mm. before we saw the film we also saw the trailers for, for both of them for for those films Shazam which is a DC yeah. film and then also the new X-Men film which is technically Marvel but it's not because it's a Fox Brilliant. adaptation so yeah. it bears no relevance to MCU Although, interestingly, we'll do in the future because Disney have bought Fox, haven't they? So there we go. And the circle becomes complete. I mean, for me, as a not entirely invested person, like, I'm watching those trailers, I was like, I'm reaching saturation point with superhero Mm. films now. Um, So it's just a lot. I just want to touch on the fact that, like, 20... It feels a bit like 500 films, to be honest. Well, this is the, the last to take place in phase three, 
which um, does that like close after Avengers or is there just going to be a million others uh, no after Endgame which uh, so phases one two and three phase three will finish with Avengers Endgame yeah. uh, or what's now being known as the Infinity Saga yeah. and then Spider-Man Far From Home is the first film in phase four which is like the new thing are there just going to be like a million phases I yeah, assume they'll just are. go on well, there's been phase one two and three and do you think we'll ever now. reach a point in which we're no longer like everything in the world is obsessed with Marvel well no because it's such a consistent source of IP yeah it's just going to go on forever isn't it anyway sorry this is really off topic but I just it's a worthy uh, co- conversation saturation point. point slightly however uh, Captain Marvel sorry. so the film is based on the Marvel comic character uh, Carol Danvers and was written and directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck who were responsible for Half Nelson it's kind of a funny story in Mississippi Grind and also it's worth pointing out that Anna Boden is the first woman to take a shot at directing a film in the MCU um, which is very interesting uh, the film stars Brie Larson as Carol Danvers plus an ensemble cast which includes Jude Law Samuel L. Jackson Ben Mendelsohn Sean Lynch Gemma Chan Annette Benning, and more the film itself is set in 1995 and follows the story of Danvers as she becomes Captain Marvel after Earth is caught in the centre of a galactic conflict between two alien worlds what was your kind of initial feelings thoughts either going into the film and then afterwards my initial feelings were as I was saying like we're reaching saturation point for me anyway it's a, there's a lot of Marvel going around in particular but also just yeah DC and everything else there's there's a lot and I'm semi-invested I can take or leave it but I was looking forward to this it feels pretty grim that it's taken a whole decade and like 20 films for the franchise to produce a single movie with a woman isn't that bananas like that's just and to be beaten by DC with Wonder Woman which Mm. hasn't like I mean there are some good DC films but like generally hasn't had the best output compared to MCU like comparatively like the DC's attempts at making just as that's quite grim but I am obviously I'm very glad that it is now here and I did really yeah I really enjoyed it it's the type it's the type of Marvel film that I do really enjoy to be honest I think it's quite a challenge like this late in the day to establish like a whole new character with her backstory so that she can kind of I assume she enters into Endgame like she will be a part of Endgame yeah so it's uh, just a, a spoiler warning if you haven't seen Captain Marvel or I guess if you haven't seen a lot of the Avengers films in the build up to Endgame then now I'm pr- I mean I'm probably not going to spoil the universe because to... I don't really know what I'm talking about no that. but I think so at the end of Infinity War there's the post credit scene where um, Samuel L. Jackson gets out a pager and oh, yes, sends out a yeah. thing before that he disappears after Thanos has done his job mm. and there's the the pager and you see it you see it see it and then um, the Captain Marvel kind of like four yes. point star logo comes up which if you don't know anything about Captain Marvel you wouldn't necessarily know who that pertains to which is like an interesting kind mm. of like oh mm. who is that um, and then the pager itself is kind of in woven this film. back into so the film yeah. yeah she's going to turn up and assist I believe in yeah and they've done quite like I think they rose to that challenge of establishing this whole new character it's tough. quite late it's a tough in the yeah it's like you know her whole backstory her whole character arc in order to get her to the point where she can join the next film I thought it did really well at you know when we watched like I really like the Thor films obviously mm-hmm. but they do have like one too many plot lines going yeah. on it goes a bit mad this one felt pretty simple to follow but had some nice unexpected twists for me at least so yeah. you kind of introduced to is it Vers? They call her Vers as this kind of Star Force agent um, and you kind of see her set up in her mission and you see her undergo this kind of crisis of identity and then you see how she eventually became Captain Marvel and I for someone who again doesn't know all of the context and the timeline is a bit off in my head like I followed it really well there were a couple of things because my knowledge isn't so great 
that I'd basically forgotten. So like Ronan the Accuser, I literally... Wes had to remind me who that was because I was like, I can't... I didn't realise that he was in the first Guardians Galaxy yeah. film. And it, it was only when I was listening to another podcast which discusses Captain Marvel and mm. was talking about kind of, you know, how it links to the wider MCU and blah, blah, blah. And they mentioned Lee Pace's uh, Ronan the Accuser great name mm. and the fact that he crops up in Guardians of the Galaxy and I was like oh yeah that is where he was wasn't it and that was yeah. the film that I saw and enjoyed but I was and like and once you're told oh. you're like oh yeah. But, you know, I mean, for diehard fans, that's going to be fine. I mean, there weren't many elements that you, you know, if you didn't know that, it didn't really matter because it's like, no, bad guy, fine. Yeah. Like, so it, was, it wasn't too reliant on needing to know all the backstory, which was, they're the kind of films that I quite like because they're quite self-contained. Mm-hmm. Um, so they work quite well for me in terms of just being really good fun. Brie Larson was really great. Just the kind of hero that you'd want like young people especially to watch and kind of aspire to I really liked her teaming up with Nick Fury and you get to learn a bit of his backstory as well and I thought they had really good chemistry it's almost just as much Nick Fury's origin story as it is it is which was really nice and again I didn't really expect that Um, and I thought they were a really nice coupling and also the de-aging stuff for Samuel Jackson is mad it's funny isn't it I just I was like this really good I thought it was less noticeable on Samuel L. Jackson yeah. than it was on the guy that plays Agent Coulson yeah yeah. because there was a, there's like a close up of him on the stairs and I was like it really someone, looks someone's like someone's photoshopped yeah, you yeah it looks yeah. really funny but I thought Samuel L. Jackson was alright actually yeah. especially for someone who had a lot of screen time but I really liked their dynamic and I really liked, obviously, her friendship with Maria, the fellow pilot. Yeah. It was a complete standout. I liked the fact that there wasn't any kind of romantic interest Oh my at God, all. wasn't that good? Like, that's where... I mean, obviously, I'm never going to, like, pull shade on a Chris ever. But, you know, Wonder Woman, I think... You know, it isn't completely fair criticism when I've spoken to people who have been like, Wonder Woman was fine, but did she have to have a love interest? It spent a lot of time sort of shoehorning in that Ronette. Yeah, and I mean, I was game for it just because I fancy them both. 100%. But if you took that away, it really was a silly... There was a point in in Captain Marvel where you see the sort of relationship between Verz and the character that Jude Law plays, and Mm. I was a little bit worried that that was going to turn sexual. Please don't turn this sexy. Yeah, and I'm so glad it didn't. No, exactly. So that was really nice. It's just a really great story, and her friendship with Maria was really lovely and this idea of kind of a single mother being supported by her best friend Ben Mendelsohn as Talos kind of hot I just love Ben Mendelsohn sort so of much. green and hot uh, the first thing that Tom said to me when we got home was where, was like where's Thanos ranking on your uh... <laughs> it's a very important question I don't know where I would put him I'd have to readdress my I think for a green skinned person he might be quite high I just love Ben Mendelsohn yeah he's very funny He's really and, funny. You know, a very, very well-rounded character. I really liked him. Basically, all of the characterization in this was really, really strong and I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I really liked was obviously the very 90s nostalgia feel. The set, maybe not the Nine Inch Nails t-shirt just because I'm being protective and there is now it's one big sold anyway. H&M. Did you see that? There was a thing about how the guy that designed the logo was like, that's not even a real Nine Inch Nails t-shirt because it's a bootleg like one. because there's not enough space between the text oh, and the box. Oh God, I love people like nerding out and stuff like that. They now sell it in H&M which is definitely all Captain Marvel's fault as you said so maybe not that however the other stuff was nice and I did definitely really like the kind of female centric band soundtrack with like garbage and TLC and No Doubt and Hole that Mm. was like just the soundtrack was really good and it really complemented it well Basically, I'm never going to be massively invested in an extreme way, but I did really enjoy it. And it's up there as one of my like personal kind of favourite fun 
Marvel films which had like the right messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think? So I really liked it, but I'm also acutely aware of a lot of its flaws. Mm. But it, I guess in the same way that, you know, I really, really enjoyed Wonder Woman and it gave me all of the feels. But there Yeah, because we loved it. Of... I mean, we had so much fun watching Wonder Woman. Yeah. But the criticism that I've heard, I'm like, can't argue with that. No, really. absolutely. And that's how I feel about Captain Marvel, really. And I think the, the, the thing that's interesting is it's really, it's absolutely lazy to compare Captain Marvel to Wonder Woman but depressingly because Wonder Woman was like the first female they're the first two female fronted like superhero films in that respect it is inevitable I I really I thought it was a really interestingly constructed film I definitely liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to oh did you yeah I'd been looking forward to seeing it I didn't have like huge expectations no, either way so I, mean, I was kind of fine but I was I was really anticipating it but I was also very skeptical and a bit worried that I would go in there and just be like oh actually this is this let me down a lot and I'm not a huge Captain Marvel fan I've got a passing interest so I would be really interested to know what someone who was like absolute fanatic of the comics yeah and the character in the comics would think of it I mean I just thought it was really enjoyable I feel like Brie Larson's performance in it has been described at times as being like black but I think considering she's playing someone that it has amnesia you know we're told that off the bat that she you know ended up on the Kree planet you know there was a crash and she ended you know she woke up and she didn't know anything about her past and I think that's quite tricky to play someone that doesn't really know who doesn't have any context or any character development has no concept of what their identity is really beyond what they've been told by other people Mm. men predominantly so I thought you know I think she did a really good job I could I really like her anyway so I do like I don't like I don't think Brie Larson is like one of our greatest actresses but it also she doesn't bother me in any way on screen so like I find her perfectly enjoyable yeah absolutely I haven't seen her in loads but like I enjoyed her in free she was in free fire wasn't she yeah yeah like I enjoyed her in that like there's nothing. I don't find her offensive or bad in any way. Yeah, I mean, adore I adore her either. But yeah. I think she was perfectly fine in this. Um, I like the ensemble cast. I like you know Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. I did like Jude Law in this. Um, I love. I keep Law. forgetting Jude Law was in it with yeah. all of my heart. So it was always enjoyable to watch him on screen. I did really like the relationship between you know Verz and Maria. Yeah, that was nice. Um, I fucking love Annette Benning. I will watch mm-hmm. Annette Benning and everything. So when she turns up, I just was just absolutely overjoyed um the aspects of it that i've kind of found myself thinking about in and interrogating i suppose in a more critical way were like the 90s nostalgia which Mm -hmm. i'm extremely here for i feel like we're usually like fine but like into it yeah but i felt like it did very much start to feel like a box ticking exercise was it a bit on like, the nose with it felt, like yeah so it felt really on the nose and it felt like you know oh isn't it funny to see like a blockbuster and then these films in the blockbuster but it felt so like you know it's the 90s like yeah. when that nick fury refers to versus looking like someone's like grungy niece or something oh, yeah, and, like, yeah, there's yeah. a really like aggressive use of nirvana in it which i liked but it was just like oh yeah okay it's the 90s um there's a really interesting piece on the ringer that sean fennessy wrote which is sort of talking about the 1990s of mm. it all and he's in it he talks about the reliance on signifiers and cultural markers sort of mapped against carol's own amnesia so it's sort of like it's very much in your face yeah in so it's almost like yeah like you know those cultural reminders about that particular time are there to remind us as viewers as much as 
they're there to remind Carol of that particular time that she's come from. Do you see what I mean? So it's yeah, sort of like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's the 90s. So like someone is using a Nerf gun or yeah. like, remember when we had to go on the internet yeah. and it took ages. With like, dial up. That's, you know, it was funny. That was a funny scene. Yeah. And it's obviously meant to point out the fact that like, you know, Verz comes from the future. So this for her is like an alien, literally yeah, like yeah, an yeah, alien yeah. concept. But that's what it was like in the 90s. So there's things like that. I do sometimes find some of the humour in these films a bit cringe. Like. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I simultaneously loved and loathed, which was the soundtrack, which mm. I'm extremely here for music of that era. That's stuff yeah, yeah, I actively yeah, yeah. listen to on a regular basis. But and I, and I do like that it's a really heavy female influence yeah, 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 because there's yeah. so much great female fronted music yeah. from that period. Yeah. But it does become a little bit like, oh, she's stolen a motorbike. It was like off. the greatest hits of the nineties as well. Yeah, and it's like, oh, here's a TLC song. Here's a Salt and Pepper yeah, song. Yeah, like yeah. here's you know, it ends with Celebrity Skin by yeah, Hole. Yeah. Like you know the fight. Scene. They were like the, the, fight the iconic nineties. Yeah, I mean, really I, I liked the fact that it wasn't the fight, a subtle soundtrack. No, the fight scene is to no doubt it's just a girl, mm-hmm. but it also was making me wince a little bit when it's just a bit like oh god come on like girls fight too yeah it did feel a little so there's there's that there's also another piece on the ringer which i will definitely link to because this was really interesting it was jane who discussing whether a film lives up to the burden of being a superhero movie for that features a female fronted protagonist which is again when it comes to sort of thinking about the captain marvel and wonder woman yeah you know it's lazy to compare but she talks about like the burden and the weight of that is put on these films because they are the first of their kind yeah yeah Um, and i think that was the thing is i was so hyped to go and see it and be like super pumped after 20 films yeah right because i you know like great that it's happening but as always it's just completely tragic that it's happening so late in the game it's like well good for you why the but didn't this happen earlier? Yeah, completely. So I think, you know, I, I was really hyped that finally there is a, a sort of a, an MCU mm. film featuring a woman, but also like that in itself brings with a lot of baggage. Mm. And I feel like people's expectations yeah. inevitably become really high mm. because you're suddenly like, oh shit, like this is the thing we've wanted for ages. Yeah. And then actually does it yeah. meet those expectations or is it falling short for what reasons? And if it falls short, like, is that because it's about yeah. a woman or is it just because the film's not and it yeah and it does good. mean that we have to focus pretty much solely on the fact that this is a female fronted film and it so you're not really looking at it in the same way that you'd look at other films because yeah, you're like the big thing about this film is that it's got a girl in it like yeah. a lady at the front and that becomes the whole thing and then all the criticism like all the arguments that happen around the film are specifically about the fact that it's got a female fronted yeah. and then all the headlines are about the fact that you know Captain Marvel is a, like a female fronted smash like and it all come, becomes about the fact that this is and then you kind of can't have much other conversation no, around it. And that's what I found really interesting about a lot of the criticism, uh, all the critical analyses, all mm. of the reviews about it, is it's impossible to write about the film without like, having to Does having a that? female-fronted action film work? Like, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, why, why aren't we talking about all the other elements of it? But of Completely. course we have to talk about the fact that it's female-fronted, because we haven't had it yet. It's unavoidable, but I also think the film plays into that so much with its general aesthetic, yeah, yeah, yeah. with it, the way that it does sort of that's the soundtrack in particular so I mean I did really enjoy it and I would happily see it again and I think that you know I'm interested to see what they do with the character going forward Mm. both in Endgame and beyond because I feel like the success of it almost guarantees a sequel in the same way that the success of Wonder Woman means we're now getting another one which I think is great so yeah it is but you're right it'd be interesting to see how these characters hold up in the ensemble like as part of the Avengers as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that dynamic works going forward. 
on to our second film that we've seen recently. Um, and this one's just so funny. It's just so funny. I'm I look forward, to, look forward to talking about this. Um, Triple Frontier. Yes. Triple Frontier happened. Um, it's an American action thriller directed by J.C. Chandor? Chandor? I say, I say Chandor. Chandor, who uh, directed A Most Violent Year, yep. among others, uh, with a screenplay by, by Chandor and Mark Bowl. 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 I, do, I don't know who these people are, so really, so I'm just... That's fine, you sound like you do. Their names, great, thanks. Should have, I just carried it with more confidence next time. Um, so it arrived on Netflix. Um, I got to finally watch it a few days after you, after I'd got through my six spell. I thought, I better start to feel better before I watch this and really concentrate. It's a film about a group of former Special Forces operatives. Um, the cast are Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund and Pedro Pascal. Uh, they reunite to plan a heist in a sparsely populated multi-board zone of South America. For the first time in their prestigious careers, these unsung heroes undertake this dangerous mission for self instead of country. April's preparing herself. But when events take an unexpected turn and threaten to spiral out of control, their skills, their loyalties and their morals are pushed to a breaking point in an epic, April, epic battle for survival. So this is a group that feels like they've paid their dues to their country and they want to take something for themselves We've been waiting for this because of um, the people on the poster. Fuck yeah. Um, basically. I mean, apart from maybe, I don't know, watching Sicario, I generally couldn't give... I was like, oh, Wes, this is a film you'll want to watch. Like, this is a Wes film, but it's got added benefits for me. Do you want to discuss what you thought of it in a really in-depth, analytical, critical, intelligent way, please? This film's part of Tosh, isn't it? Yeah. It was um, honestly the funniest film I've watched in. I don't think any other reviews I've really seen have noted just how hilarious it is. Well, that's because they've all been written by men, largely. Oh, my God. Um, it's so funny. So just the thing I'd like to point out quickly is that this, this film in particular is notable for being the origin of those Ben Affleck back tattoo photographs. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. So during oh. the filming oh. of the of the oh. um, this so epic film uh, <laughs> in Hawaii, he was photo- that very famous picture of him on the beach looking exasperated. disgusting and- phoenix tattoo, yeah. whatever it is. So I Sad watched this film on the, the day after it came out because I had the day off for... Um, not that you were excited. Yeah, I took the day off because I was so pumped. Just... No, I was, had the day off. I had to stay indoors all day. And I gradually worked my way up to watching it because it was like getting me through a particular arduous 24-hour period. And I made a really long list of things about it because... That list was very funny. <laughs> I was just watching it. And I I really liked Margin Call. It's a very good film that J.C. Chandler mm. directed. A Most Violent Year is actually one of my favourite Oscar Isaac films because oh, I like the dynamic between him and Jessica Chastain in that film. So I was like moderately interested into about this film and I saw the trailer and I was like, this is going to be absolutely stupid, isn't it? And this film has no plot. Like there is no plot to this film. I would say there is a plot. It's just a really, really silly plot. It's so silly. At so many points, I had to like be like, oh yeah, no, what is happening? Oh yeah, that's happening. I am adamant that this film was made for women. Yes, this film is Magic Mike. This film is made for women. You know this This film is made for women from the fact that within the first five minutes, the amount of close-ups on oh Oscar Isaac bending in jeans it's is just, obscene. It's like ridiculous. 
like they're this giving me what I want. This is the sort of film that you watch and you have to give a running commentary on WhatsApp to each other because it's just this like This is why I wrote this list because I was we I think initially we'd said we were going to watch it together and then I asked I was like can I watch this on my own? I can't I wait. Steph, need to I do it wait. now. And I just wrote a long list. I'll just give you a brief overview of some of these things that I wrote down because I just baffled mm. it was things like why is garrett headland doing a southern accent when charlie hunnam his brother is doing his generic jack's teller voice charlie hunnam can't, literally can't do any other voice he can't he's do a anything. terrible actor go on um it was i would pay good money to watch pedro pascal and oscar isaac spend an extended period of time together i mean what 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 is this film but that very uh ben affleck likes folding his arms ben affleck is sheer exhaustion in human form he's such a sad boy in this film isn't he i'm adamant that this is actually just ben, ben affleck's, affleck's life life like it's just his I life i think so as well i really do i completely agree with that yeah um there's a lot of backwards baseball caps in this film. oh my god the caps are when you were saying how like basically the caps are like a really key bit of acting yeah and that every time someone takes their cap off it's a very emotive moment. They're either like angry very or sad. sad or yeah. angry. Yeah, I think it's when... Spoilers. When someone dies. some spoil, I can't say spoilers and then not reveal who dies. When, I'm going to spoil it, Ben Affleck's character dies and I think Oscar Isaac just like takes his cap off. It's like, oh, oh he no. feels terrible about this. I'm so angry and incensed by and saddened by my friend's death. I mean, they're just... It, it, this fil- entire film is about the resounding message that men are idiots and they shouldn't be allowed to plan to do anything. I put, d- please don't leave men to organise anything because they will fuck it all up. They had the opportunity to like essentially get hold of millions and millions and millions like, of dollars. 60 million... Which is a ridiculous... And I was like, what? I mean, it couldn't have been like, I don't know, even 10 million. 60... Most ridiculous they amount of care. money. They don't care. They don't care. And it's the fact that we're all sat around huddled at dark they're trekking across the andes because the a helicopter goes down they have to get to a boat oh God, they put they so much money yeah they put so they take so much money with them that they literally can't fly a helicopter and then they end up dragging bags of money through the mountains but have no supplies in which to survive charlie hunnam is happy to stroll around the jungle and the mountains with a stomach wound like they don't even let him ride the donkey like the money gets to ride the donkey the donkeys the donkeys it's just and then there's a, an extended period in which they are just dragging ben affleck's corpse around the mountains like as the money that. just slowly dwindles and they have like ten dollars left by it the end they so have so funny they have five million dollars the funniest thing I think I've seen in I was howling and I was like I don't know if I'm supposed because honestly you're right like all of the reviews from men have been like the cinematography is amazing it looks I nice. did not I barely paid attention to the cinematography it's not the main selling there point. were like five handsome men in this I did not pay attention to the cinematography I was like staring at them and then laughing my ass off because this is the funniest film I've seen in so long. I wrote at the end, I still have no idea what this film is about. No idea. And also, I do not believe that they would have believed they paid their dues to their country and now they're going to steal hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just so set. Oscar Isaac's character seems so, like, you know, set upon the fact that oh no we did all this really bad shit for our country and, and I mean I, I, I get it in that sense I suppose it's a commentary on what happens when we send men off to war to do these really horrible traumatic yeah. things and they do come back and they're supposed to address adjust the civilian life with very little money and all of this yeah. stuff and th- there yeah. could be really interesting things that you can interrogate but that, that's Didn't not what really it does. Didn't really do that, did it? It's like, just... he just hatches this really foolproof plan to, like, like stow into this house and steal all of the money and then run away in a helicopter. And it's like, for someone who thinks he's such a sexy maverick, like, this doesn't... 
He every step of the way it just completely fu- it's just like a big series of blunders that are so comically funny I think like, the thing is at the it, end that they think they're gonna have gotten away with it but like they robbed a cartel they're all dead right they're dead they're more the bit that made me like well one of the bits that I was I mean I say plot holes like Caverns. I can't even see like where the hole is I'm in the hole but the bit where he's like you know oh now uh, no when the the woman is like oh you know that wasn't just their money you stole like you've literally stolen like loads of other cartels money like you're screwed i was like oh this is what the film's going to be about because yeah. they're going to realize they're going to have to run forever yeah, no. because all these people are after them no because they can't even get out the fucking mountains on a helicopter like now i assume they now they've lost all this money they're still going to have like all of these groups of people wanting to kill them you like wouldn't what fuck. do they not watch narcos pedro pascal's in narcos literally how did he not learn the Guys. first time just silly like just ben affleck took a gunshot to the face that was a lot that was a real like i did think that it was just a metaphor for his life and career I know, poor, poor Ben. I literally don't feel any. Okay. You know how my thoughts on Ben Affleck. Your thoughts on Ben Affleck are very different to my thoughts on Ben Affleck. Should we discuss that? I love Ben Affleck. I don't get it. He's got a little bum chin, and he's just really sad. I have I, a deep emotional attachment to the film Goodwill Hunting and Armageddon. Um, do you feel? I feel sorry confused for Confused by the fact that I think he's probably a bit of a prick in real life. Yeah, he's awful. Um, I feel really sorry for Ben Affleck. He just keeps like, really bad company. Yeah. And makes excuses. I just... But also objectively, I don't think... I just don't fancy him. Okay, that's fine. Which is... We don't have to interrogate it any further. Different strokes for different folks. I, feel, I, I sense that you're quite like... No, well, I've written my... So what... <laughs> What's your order? Like, don't get defensive. It's okay. It's fine. He can I be your. If it. he was your boyfriend, like I'm not going to go and tell you that he's ugly, am I? Like I'd I be perfectly polite. I think about I've it. said to you on a personal. Ben Affleck level isn't ugly. Ben Affleck isn't someone you date. No. He'd be a crap boyfriend. I think he'd be quite a crap lay as well, though. I just okay. April disagrees, but I genuinely think even as a one night stand, it'd be quite sad. So I'm not even sure what he's here for. I'm so sorry. What's your ra- <laughs> please tell me your rating of characters in order of sexiness, not like acting prowess or any other characterization, just based on their sexiness in the film or just generally in life. I'm gonna say. I think that's order, really. I think difficult. the order would be the same though, actually. So it's yeah, funny. go on then. Oscar Isaac. Yes. Pedro Pascal. Okay. Yes. Garrett Hedlund. Deep affection for Garrett Hedlund. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, Ben Affleck. I thought Ben Affleck was going to be higher no, on yours. No, because I thought about this a, a great deal. Okay. And I love when Garrett Hedlund sings at, like across the board in what his life. What a lovely life. boy, eh? I just love him. I think he's so grossly underrated. Yeah. And I'm so glad that someone did have the sense to cast him and his close personal I do think he should have been Charlie a Magic Hunnam. Mike, though. Oh, don't. He should have been. This film, the first half, was actually Magic Mike. Yeah. I couldn't get over how much it was Magic Mike. I really enjoyed like, Garrett... Let's do it for one last time together. I really enjoyed someone finally making Charlie Hunnam and Garrett Hedlund brothers on screen yeah i mean i feel like the rest of the cast really do carry charlie hunnam quite well in this um, he can't act his way out no he can't no. i just thought a lot about how i watched an awful lot of sons of anarchy on the basis that i just find Jax teller is so hot oh my god that's the only time in which he was an acceptable actor because it literally mm, didn't he, matter the whole uh, thing was ridiculous queer as folk though uh, young charlie hunnam yeah. see this is the thing right this is 
Charlie he's Hunnam, rubbish in there's like a lot everything of, else. Though. There's a lot of good will for Charlie Hunnam on the basis that he was very, very good in Queer as Folk a long, long time ago. Do you think he's just got progressively worse with yeah, age? Yeah, 100%. Okay, that's interesting. What is your order of preference? Um, mine is one Oscar Isaac, good. two Charlie Hunnam, fine. like objectively. Yeah, fine. Three, I mean, you can't really go wrong in this order. No, Because they're all three, probably Garrett Hedlund, maybe. Cool, okay. I was struggling between Garrett and Pedro in cool. terms of... But I thought in this film... Probably Garrett and then Pedro. Okay, fine. And then Ben Affleck last. Okay, that's fine. My de- my definitely my top two and my bottom five. I think the only reason that we would ever disagree is if we if you hadn't put Oscar Isaac as number one. Yes, but, but that would be madness. Like, who would do that? We that did do a silly. poll on Twitter and, and Oscar oh, yes. Isaac came out on top. Of course he did. The, the order there was Oscar, Charlie, Pedro, Ben and Garrett tied. Ben and Garrett tied? Yeah, I know. Guys, weird? you've got no class. That Come is on. silly. That's uh, just... That is... No. Anyway, this film's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I would like to see whether everyone, anyone else found it as funny as we did because I thought it was absolutely hilarious and I don't know whether I just didn't... I just thought it was hilarious. For a film that's not supposed to be funny, it's very funny. People seem to be talking about it with a lot of gravitas and I was like, you know, no, do you, are on. we talking about the same film? This is... They literally sunk a helicopter because they had so much money in it and then they crashed into like a cocaine field. This is the silliest film and that donkey falls off a cliff. It was so silly. I, I really enjoyed it though, but it was completely like, it was just completely nuts, wasn't it? Can't wait to watch it again. Yes. So just a couple of other things that we wanted to cover that we've been catching up on again. Um, it's been a busy month for watching things for me personally because I've been in my sick bed. So I've managed to catch up on quite a lot, which has been very nice. But a couple of things we wanted to cover. Um, we wanted to quickly touch on the ending of True Detective because we talked about it before. So season three of True Detective has now finished. I think we reviewed it halfway through. So like four episodes in, I think we'd seen like four that. at that point. Yeah. So, uh, you know, recently we've caught up on the, the final kind of two episodes I'd say I think you'd agree that you know second to last even the last episode they had a hell of a lot to wrap up yeah um we had a lot of questions still left that needed answering what happened to Will and Julie Purcell how much does Wayne Hayes know how involved is um his wife Amelia how much of a conspiracy I think how much of a conspiracy is there was probably yeah. the biggest the main thing. question that there was how did you feel about the kind of the way that the show wrapped up in particular now you've had some time to kind of stew on it have you really thought about it since can i be honest go on absolutely not no i actually feel like i enjoyed it but i think i had i said to you i had to really push my way through it at the end yeah and i think it was because there were a couple of episodes there's the episode where the purcell oh god what's his name what's the dad's name dad purcell dad purcell papa purcell the skeet or no not skeet or rook what's the other skeet the other what is his name Scoot 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 McNary Scoot McNary Skeet Ulrich Skeet Ulrich Scoot McNary goes into the pink room and then that episode was particularly good I just felt a little bit let that's, down I think that's it. the episode where I was like oh this conspiracy is coming around like and then this it is going to be so juicy and then it yeah it didn't like when I finished it I was like, that's a well put together, like nicely framed bit of television. And then over the next week, I was like, oh God, there was so much they didn't answer. And I felt myself getting more and more disappointed. I think my my main problem, as you've said, was that it's set up for this big grand conspiracy. And I happen to love big conspiracies, which just turned out to not be a thing. They really teased the, it's going to connect up with season one. And I was like, so here for that. And I do, I do think my main takeaway from it is that it was a very big indictment of like true crime culture. And this, because obviously the woman that's interviewing him, the journalist series is either on a 
TV show or on a podcast mm-hmm. type thing. So it, yeah. I think it really turns a mirror at things like yeah. that and says actually sometimes the case is quite simple. Simple. And, and even like, if it's not yeah. solved, you're wanting things to exist where they don't exist. So I think yeah. that that's what I've thought about a lot is actually I think it was holding a mirror up to the true crime yeah. community and actually saying that sometimes things don't get tied up with a bow, but the reason isn't because there's a grander, grander yeah, conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything yeah. like it's just because it happens that yeah. everything gets solved so I th- that I've thought about yeah but actually- and that I think you're right I think that was the point in it like it was basically saying like you all of these reddit threads and everything you've been discussing like you all wanted this grander conspiracy and there just isn't one like because- actually it's been about the characters and their relationships all along and yeah. you thought it was going to be something bigger and it's actually not and what happened to Will and Julie like like some of it's pretty mad but like it wasn't what no, you thought and it I was think, gonna be I think the series you know towards the end as well it tied up you know the relationship between Ron and Wayne and why yeah. it had fallen apart and why they didn't see each mm. other and also I think that this kind of you know wanting things to exist when they're not there I think that you could make really interesting comparisons with Wayne's dementia and how mm-hmm. he's trying to remember things that happen or doesn't know if what he's remembering is true well or even at the end in like even at the end when he goes to find Julie and then he can't again spoilers he appears to forget when he gets there why he's there like there's been some some people have said like did he actually forget or or did he decide that actually he doesn't want to bother her and so you know there is that whole aspect of trustworthiness that runs until the end you never find out unfortunately for me i get what you're doing with the grand conspiracy stuff but i actually just like grand conspiracies so yeah i don't i was um, a bit annoyed they teased it and then didn't yeah and i think the story that they came up with in the end wasn't quite juicy enough for me to like i was just like oh this is just a bit flat like yeah. oh will slipped and died was just a bit like a cop out to me and there was all that like all the satanic conspiracy stuff which again tied into the time frame and was you know kind of proven to be very much like well it's all just in your heads because it didn't have anything to do with the story i, I think uh, i just wanted it to I be wanted it or to grosser be than it than was that. i know that's what i wanted and i know i'm falling into a stereotype there but i just the reason that tv is so popular is because that's the sort of thing that we all really enjoy and i think our expectation for this third season as well is rooted in what happened in season one and yeah. what the outcome of that was and i think that that's inevitable we talked about that in the yeah, first place yeah. when we talked about the show it's just anyway. not gonna it's just so not i was um i was a bit let down yeah and um, also where the fuck did that journalist go she just wasn't even in the final episode Weird. i was like this is just i get unanswered questions but i was like oh she's just completely disappeared like she doesn't have anything to do with it like, i think just... for me the resounding feeling i have is that i will never go back to this season but i would gla- oh i would gladly watch season one over and over oh my god yeah like i bought that season i have spent this entire season thinking about how much i want to watch the original season and i think because they built it up to such a climax so late in the day it just kind of fell really flat in the final episode in particular i felt rushed didn't it? yeah so are we getting another season i bet we are probably probably are i don't think i can even will i even bother watching it i don't know They'll depend on the do. cast i think depend it all well they've done quite well in the past but if vince vaughn comes but i am absolutely not watching anything with vince vaughn in Another thing we just wanted to cover, mostly because you caught up on your on sick my, bed. On my sick bed, yes. Um, and it's something that I kind of came to a bit late in the game and watched last year. And then uh, a new season of it came back, so we're both both on it, is uh, Fleabag. Yeah, we touched on it very briefly before, didn't we? Or you did. I think I mentioned... I can actually have a conversation about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I mentioned that I'd watched it. So it's a comedy drama set in London. The first series premiered back in summer of 2016, and series two started a few weeks ago here in the UK. Um, it's written and created 
hosted by Phoebe Waller-Bridge based on her 2013 Edinburgh Fringe Festival one-woman play of the same name. She, of course, created Killing Eve, which we loved and is coming back next month. Yes, love Killing Eve. Very timely. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge stars as the main character, Fleabag, who, according to Wikipedia, is an angry, confused and sex-addicted woman. Uh, She's joined by Sean Clifford as her sister, Claire. Bill Patterson (laughs) plays her dad. Uh, Olivia Coleman plays her godmother. Fucking love Olivia Um, Coleman. She's so good. Uh, Plus Brett Gelman as her sister's husband, Martin. And in the season two, we've got Andrew Scott, who plays the priest. Um, Series one has got six episodes and series two will also have six. And we're currently halfway through. I think three have aired here. Yes. I, so like I said, I watched it last year and you watched it all when you were poorly I recently. literally watched it in one day. Um, what, are your, what are your feelings on it? Yes, I very much enjoyed it. It's Isn't very it funny. good? It's, it's very funny. It's really sharp, really great. Love those asides. They're just classic, yeah. I love the guinea pig themed cafe, obviously. So the thing is, when I watched it last year and that was, I was really hoping that you would get around to watching it at some point because it's amazing, but also mostly because of the use of guinea pigs. It's just so on brand for me. That you was don't see that very often on television, do you? No, guinea pigs are amazing much underrated animal um i don't know why because they're so funny but yeah so i was overjoyed to see that i love this idea of her running a guinea pig cafe her kind of you know all of her negotiations with her family relationships and her sex edition are all absolutely hilarious i do quite like this i I think we've discussed it before that kind of tragic comedy trend that's kind of emerging i think does work really well and this idea of like happens with like some of the podcasts we listen to like this idea of kind of the closeness of like laughter and tragedy and how we use kind of comedy to talk about things that are actually really difficult so bereavement bereavement and trauma and that sort of thing and i totally buy into the fact that like sometimes you just have to laugh to kind of get through some really difficult stuff Mm. so i love the way it uses that but actually has some really underlying kind of important messages I've seen some conversation online which is quite interesting like a couple of people I follow actually a couple of writers who were just like can I just say I just don't get Fleabag I don't find it funny like why does any like why do we need another middle class like female white person on TV and I kind of I I get that I do get that it's it isn't a necessary story to tell like obviously bereavement aside and those kind of big themes like the story of another like yeah white middle class woman working in London like we don't need another there are plenty of other stories that are underrepresented that we need to tell totally agree with that however However, this is a show that does not take itself seriously and is really just it's just taking the piss out of like it's just treating that type of woman as a completely comic like thing to make fun of yeah i didn't yeah, yeah. feel like in any way that bb waller bridge was trying to be like apologetic about who she is or like like at the end of the day like fleabag's very funny but she'd be an insufferable person to know completely and she's extremely a- flawed and extremely annoying and her the way that she's completely unapologetic and doesn't realize how much of a brat she is is annoying and I think it's not you know the treatment is that we're all laughing with and at this person and I don't think it like makes any apology for I think there's a um, like self-awareness yeah it definitely knows that this is about a very privileged person so I think if it was trying to be more apologetic about her and be like oh but look she's had a really hard you know it wouldn't work as well but I think it is very much like holding up a mirror and laughing at itself being this type of woman is completely ridiculous I kind of get both sides of the coin I guess it didn't that didn't take away from my enjoyment of it because I just got that it was a very comic treatment but I can kind of see why people would also be like I really don't need to fucking watch this yeah absolutely um can we just talk about Andrew Scott yes 
do you fancy Andrew Scott? Obviously. It's unbearable. I can't look at him. It's <sighs> it's just a lot. It's a lot. And I didn't. And as an forgotten. Irish priest, is just like I think that probably taps into something that's quite like innately built into me. I just, I mean, Irish accents are the best accents objectively on the whole planet. Yeah. So that makes it even worse. And he's just really 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 hot i was really pleased in that first episode of season two that he was in it oh my god and then i was extra pleased when it became apparent that he's clearly going to be in every single episode of the season and i was so overjoyed and i just cannot when he smiles i i physically want to die he's really really handsome i've been thinking about that quite a lot recently like isn't it a lot probably every day and i feel like i'm I was invested in this TV show anyway, but like, here's the reason that, that I need to catch up on it. I as think soon that as it I was just now. relieved that a when you said, "Oh, I'm watching Fleabag," and I was like, "Oh God, that's good because then I can talk to someone about this." And then I was also relieved when I was like, "Do you?" That was like the first thing I texted you as well. Yeah. You were like, "Let me know when you've watched the first episode," and I was like, "Cool, I've just started watching it." Wait, so Andrew Scott, so he's really hot, and you were like, <laughs> "Yes," I was like, "I've literally been watching for thirty seconds," and that's my main takeaway from this show is that he's extremely sexy. Um, there you and go. Never thought I'd fancy a priest. Who knew? Just a couple of other shout outs very quickly. Not going to review them in any way, but just a few things that I've been enjoying and I think we've both been enjoying. Um, I meant to shout this out last time, but that Kelani mixtape while we wait is really, really good. And I have been enjoying that very much. Um, and I feel like I haven't actually listened to a lot of music recently or there hasn't been many releases that I've really enjoyed. So I feel like for me, nice. there was, um, so there's that Kalani record. There's obviously the new Solange record. Oh, um, yes. Which yeah. I really, really I do like that record. I, I like the Kalani record more probably. Interesting. But then... I prefer Solange over the Kalani. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I like the other way there around. There you go. Um, there's a couple of things also for me on the music front that came out. That, uh, Lux Prima, which is a collaboration album between Karen O from the Yeah Yeahs oh, and yeah. Danger Mouse. Yeah. fucking brilliant. Also, the new Jenny Lewis record came out on Friday and I've just listened to it is so it good? much. Oh, God, I just love Jenny Lewis so much. Fair. That's it's very good. It's such a good album. I was deeply obsessed with Rilo Kylie when I was a teenager and it's just really nice to see her doing her own thing. And oh, good. Well, that's brilliant. good. I also saw Border. Oh, I haven't watched um, it yet. Yeah, well, really we sorry. can... No, no, it's absolutely fine. I mean, we can or we can't talk about it another time. Yeah, Border's good, worth seeing absolutely batshit, like insane. Does some quite strange things that I wasn't anticipating. Did really enjoy it, but it was quite a difficult watch in places. So, but recommended as a really strange kind of fantasy film. It's just so bizarre, honestly. It's, um, I watched two seasons of Channel Zero, which is this anthology series on sci-fi from my bed that I've been waiting to see for ages. It hasn't got a UK release but if anyone is really into a like horror and horror TV shows anthology series, I mean I am sick of anthology series. It's just let's okay. It was a nice concept for like one show. This does actually really work though. I would definitely recommend seeing it because it's it's really interesting. Um, Queer Eyes started, so we will that's good it. for that. We can cover that at some point. I've literally only watched one episode. Um, and it was obviously a joy, but I'll get around to watching that. And also, I just wanted to shout out that I binge listened to The Drop, which is that podcast that came out fairly-ish recently about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, which is just, again, like a scandal that's just completely hilarious and batshit. And I mean, it's not hilarious because some really... In the way that Fire Festival was hilarious, but also quite a safe thing to laugh at, this isn't actually that safe at all. But they are really lucky that it didn't get even worse. But that's a really interesting podcast that I would recommend if you found that story interesting in any way. Have you got anything else you'd like to shout out? Um, I thought I would just mention that we are seeing Us this week. Oh, yes, um, 
we're so, seeing us on Tuesday. I'm so excited. Oh, my days. By the time this podcast comes out, we probably will have seen it, but we won't be covering it on this episode. So if you're wondering, oh, this big film has come out, why aren't you talking about it? It's because we haven't seen it yet. Yes, um, but so we will. I'm avoiding the internet like the plague and oh I'm God, very I'm excited. So excited. I'm so um, excited. The other thing is that this trailer for Stranger Things 3 oh, yes. came out and I'm yes. very... I'm looking forward to it being in the summer. What a yeah, treat. Yeah, I know. And it's such a... Oh, it's just such fun TV. I'm Don't, still a big fan. I mean, there were parts of Strange, the season two of Stranger Things that I was like... Don't they all look grown up though? Hard, but they do all look really grown up. And um, I think it's going to really play to some like fan favourites. So on to our main topic or mini chat for this episode. And we thought off the back of having seen Captain Marvel this past week and its sort of big box office of success and... Uh, a lot of the conversations that have been going on around it, and as we touched on before, a lot of the headlines around this film, we thought we would have a chat about some of our favourite female heroes in film, and I've tried to kind of stick to film specifically, and we can kind of break this down in a little bit, because it's kind of, it's a fun task, but also could be quite difficult in places. It's worth noting that Captain Marvel had the biggest box office opening ever for a female-fronted movie, $825 million. I think so far which no is insane I think it's going to hit a billion which is just so much money that Good I can't her. even comprehend it um, it edges out Beauty and the Beast and Wonder Woman which grossed 103 million I mean obviously the, the early success of this film shows that women led films are a huge hit in the box office there's this kind of long held myth that has been perpetrated for decades that blockbusters with female leads are not particularly popular and is not something that people are looking for which is clearly re- completely ridiculous and doesn't even doesn't even need to be said but funnily enough there has been lots of conversation around the fact that this is a female fronted film there were issues around like Rotten Tomatoes having to like suspend the ability to actually rate this film in advance because there were so many trolls going after it and kind of bashing it before they'd even seen it men are so seemingly I know seemingly because it's female fronted and you know there's just been a lot of conversation around like how great is it that we finally have like a female fronted movie that's doing this well and it's like okay that is great but also there are lots of other women in films that have you know stuck in our minds and are heroes to us which is something that I think we just wanted to have a like a little discussion about but also doing this has kind of brought up a few issues I think for us as well in terms of how easy it may or may not be to list women in film that we really love definitely um, so <laughs> which is yeah actually a bit of a shocker it's very weird do you want to talk a little bit about some of your favorites yeah so i mean the thing that was quite funny the you alluding to the um well, i don't know just the fact that it actually was trickier than we initially thought was um mostly in, sort of sparked by the fact that i was sat going through kind of like the dvds and stuff that i've got here thinking about some of my favorite films mm. and i said to you like depressingly most of my favorite films tend to feature heavily a lot of men or about about men oh my god um, yeah which you know that's another that's an entire thesis in itself right? isn't it it's really. just i mean it's a lot to unpack and and also there were quite a few films that i thought like oh, i love this film the woman in it isn't particularly that's what i, I wouldn't count it as like a character that i would like to imitate or i would see as like you know an ins- like maybe an inspiration in some ways but like in others hasn't been portrayed in a particularly great light light or is very dependent on yeah. you know yeah, whatever male protagonist there is so you know there were a few films that I thought of and then when like actually when I really think about it I wouldn't choose that 
female character as like particularly inspirational or particularly kick-ass or particularly someone that I would want you know maybe my kids to be like yeah this person like it's actually quite difficult yeah I think that says a lot about the way that women are often represented on film anyway and also Mm. particularly in films either directed by men or films that have a heavy male like narrative features Mm. so Zodiac for example one of my favorite films in the entire world um there are only women in that the women in that are as follows uh murder victim dead women woman who's first killed darlene the first one of the first murder victims chloe svoney who plays uh robert graysmith's wife who's in it for a really brief period of time and then um june diane rayfield who plays uh mark ruffalo's wife in the film so it's Um, just some wives there are some other women in the chronicle press office i was gonna say in the office literally walking around literally so i mean they're fine they're just cursory characters aren't they right um so yeah it was things like that and i was like going oh i really like that film oh there's like no women in it or the women in it are just like so by the by that it's not even i don't like it for that reason it's not because it's a particular you know that female character is amazing that's why i love the film it just happens to be that like oh it has got a woman in it so i do think this speaks volumes about often it really does and it was also interesting as we'll go on to that when i was sort of asking other people for their input quite a few people said like here are a couple of examples of people that i think are really great but also can i include tv because tv is easier so there definitely seems to be many more tv shows that spring to mind when i first thought of this that i was like oh i know television that's television as well oh, oh no, I that's of- television so oh maybe television's doing a better job at this i often think that long form programming so things like like television yeah. shows um are very good at creating really well-rounded female characters who you engage with who actually get proper character arcs and so for example mad men you know joan and peggy and even uh, betty draper and then who becomes betty francis in the show you know they're a kind of characters yeah. who develop over time because there is they have the space to do mm-hmm. so and i often think that can be a bit of the failing of what happens in film is that tv does a much better job at actually kind of putting focus yeah. and developing good engaging well-rounded yeah. interesting female characters when often film doesn't yeah but there isn't the prominence of it yeah, so much so it was interesting i mean so, so I, can, I can kind of list a few of my initial standouts just when as we a boost about it. so cat stratford from 10 things oh my I god about you literally the first one i put down the absolute stratford the abs- is the absolute the impact one. of Cat Stratford on so many people we know of our oh, generation. Oh my god, she is the one. Like everything about her, the way that she acts, her interests and her looks and just I the whole package of Cat Stratford is just the one. I do think now, if I went back to university, one of the things I would want to do like a long form study on would be looking at the cultural impact of Cat Stratford as a character and, and how that film the rise is of just... if you think about Sort of our generation and and who watched and enjoyed that film and then became interested in things like feminism and social right. justice and all of that sort of stuff. I feel like Cat Stratford is such a linchpin for where you first hear about things like oh my Bikini God, like, Kill oh, and the Raincoats. Yeah, and she's reading the Bell Jar. Which yeah, is I was all like, literally I was about to say like, oh, I heard about Sylvia Plath through. Like, all of those are used as like signifiers of of like her being a cliche yeah. like rebel girl, but actually for 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 a lot of people. That was like a big thing, you know? She's... Cat Stratford made me who I am today. Doesn't tolerate shit. I think we need to be talking about her a lot more. I could... Yeah, I think we could just dedicate a whole podcast episode to her. She is... Doesn't tolerate shit. Yeah, she just stands for her own. Like, when she gets lost within herself, she finds herself in the end and she just 
stands up for what she believes in and she doesn't give a shit about what other people think. She is just so cool and I just love her. She's She was the first one I thought of. Yeah, of apart course. Apart from one other obvious one. She came yeah. up a lot when we were asking for recommendations from other people. Kat um, Stratford? Kat Stratford. Kat Stratford, obviously. Kat Stratford. Um, yeah. I've also got Christine Ladybird McPherson. Yes, I also put Recent Christine edition. Ladybird. Yeah. Recent edition, but so kick-ass, and I hope has a very positive effect on any, like, younger watchers as well. Also, a big one for me is uh, Frances Ha. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Frances Ha, generally, as a film, is my happy film. Whenever I'm just feeling desperately depressed, I'll just watch someone, like fuddling their way through life not really knowing what they're doing it's very nice to see fuddlers actually yeah, it's very life affirming especially and... when you are in, involved in any sort of life crisis or kind of you know just not really knowing what you're doing or who you yeah. are or she, what, where you want to be I think that especially um, sometimes you don't want to you don't want to see like perfect superheroes no you she's incredibly you want to see like flawed fuck ups who manage to survive so that you're Francis like <laughs> oh that's me I can do that too completely absolutely um, another big one for me actually when I was a teenager Teenager is someone that I just was deeply like considered to be absolutely heroic. Um, Penny Lane from Almost Famous. Oh yeah, he came up a lot shout. actually from a lot of people. I yes, mean, you could interrogate her role in Almost Famous a great deal, but mm-hmm. you know she's sort of such a, a character within that film, within you know the dynamic of what's going on in it. Huge one, Matilda. Oh my god, as well, Matilda. big one. Um, as a child. As a so child, much. right? Oh, you're nerdy and you like Oh my God, do you books. love books as well? But you've also got like superpowers. That's yeah, right. cool as shit. Big one for me growing up again was Princess Leia in Star Wars and then related, I put Rey as well because... Yeah, and Jin in Rogue One yeah. as well. I was thinking like we've had some good sort of in recent Star Wars films. We've had some good... I mean, Rey occasionally strays into Kira Knightley like territory of being like a little bit annoying she does but, but her the, actual character is one of the, very much in the footsteps of Leia isn't she completely I think that's the thing I like with Rey actually it was it was really nice to go and see The Force Awakens and know that there's going to be like an entire generation of girls that will look at Rey the same way that I did Leia when I first saw the Star Wars films as yeah. well um, Cher Horowitz from Clueless yes who else have I got oh that's a, I mean there wasn't oh, Dottie Hinson from A League of Their Own which which is a very niche. Oh, that is very niche. Love yeah. that film so much. Very good. Very good. I also wrote Clementine from A Saturnal Sunshine on the Spotless Aww, Mind. Good shout. But I like that. yours? So firstly, some of my favourites, I just put The Final Girls. So it was oh, like of course. a big horror film fan. Oh, well, actually, um, I've missed some out here. So, yeah, there are so many, actually, Final Girls in horror films. And it's such a, you know, it's a very a well-worn trope. But um, it's just, it's always excellent because... The girls always last, always make it to the end. So obviously Ellen Ripley, obviously. I was going to say that's who I missed out. Obviously. Really obvious. I mean, apart from Cat Stratford, Ellen Ripley was the next. Particularly if you're talking about like action blockbusters, it's like was not the first, you know Captain She's Marvel isn't the first female fronted action blockbuster to do well is it no, like have exactly. you forgotten the entire alien franchise Come that's on. crazy Laurie Strode in Halloween obviously and we've discussed that recently with the recent sequel I guess it's a sequel Nancy Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street I actually rewatched Nightmare on Elm Street at the weekend with Wes just because we had an hour and a half to spare um, and she's pretty headstrong, so she's always a great example. Sydney Prescott in Scream, obviously. That came up a lot, actually. Um, I love Sydney so much. Jess Bradford in Black Christmas, because I really like 
Black Christmas that's a really good film. So she's one of my favourite kind of final girls in those films. Sarah Connor and Terminator. I don't know if she counts as a final girl, but I mean, she's great. Um, and then more recently, Jay and It Follows is really, really Ooh, good. Yeah. Um, and you've got loads of others like that aren't as sort of prominent in my mind, but are, are very well known in sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Hellraiser and Friday the 13th and even like The Descent and Cabin in the Woods and all of these things. So it's, I mean, that's a, a, a thing in that kind of genre that's very well known and proves that I mean it definitely works in horror films and has always been a popular concept so that's great I also said Leia obviously and Jin and Rogue One and Rey in the Star Wars trilogy um Kat Stratford Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs so she's an FBI trainee who manages to solve you know the entire case of Buffalo Bill pretty much by herself and has to survive like someone flinging semen at her in a you know is she's so good she's kick-ass and particularly the fact that she's at such a young age and she's kind of new to the job it's just she's just killer she's so good i feel like in a way she makes up for me not being able to list dana scully in this we'll do a tv one at some point uh, maybe we'll do one uh i put lydia deets from beetlejuice yes of course I just oh, wanted to be lydia deets so much and sort of turned out like her in a way like more recent ones i kind of said ladybird obviously like Candice Everdeen the Hunger Games I did like the Hunger Games I didn't love it but you know if we're talking about blockbusters that did really well and had the legacy that she had yeah like that I think had a big impact on like YA readers and is one of the first really big like YA trilogies isn't it so that had a you know really big impact pretty much every single female in Black Panther as well yes really stuck in my mind other ones that aren't really my favourite but are notable I said The Bride and Kill Bill I've sort of given like I do like Kill Bill I don't think about it very regularly do you not because that's interesting and maybe we'll do a Quentin Tarantino-esque episode at some point because with the um, Once Upon a Time in America coming out I really like Kill Bill a lot yeah I I do like Kill Bill I'm not obsessed with it Um, Uma Uma Thurman Thurman in that is just such a strong character the recent Mad Max with um, Furiosa Charlize on was a very good and actually the wives in that although they kind of fall in that category of beginning as quite tepid timid women and sort of emerging into something else stronger Hermione Granger although she's not really like a personal favourite of mine but I can see that for maybe young people who are very well not young people but anyone who's very invested in Harry Potter might see her as you know she's an important part of that trilogy and then I was also thinking about Veronica Sawyer and Heathers that was quite a good one um, the Buffy film, which is sort of cheating, but maybe a little bit, just as a type of character. Luke Perry. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, it all comes back around. It all comes back around. Um, and then I was also thinking about the fact that you have Alice in Resident Evil and Selene in uh, Underworld despite the fact that I don't love those films personally. But they are female-fronted kind of action films. Kate Beckinsale. Um, oh my God, Kate Beckinsale. It's all coming back around. Yeah, and I think that was pretty much, I don't know, Thelma and Louise oh yes yeah most Disney lots of Disney heroines there's like a split you get like lots of very dependent Disney heroines and then later you get like Mulan and Moana and I can't remember the character's name from Brave whatever her name is in Brave no I haven't seen Brave but I know exactly I know that she's um, particularly kick-ass and has like a bow and arrow and shit I don't know but they're good films especially recently for kind of young Disney watchers would have a positive impact have you got any others you want to add before we go on to no I mean it's just I think it's more that it's just given me a lot to think about I mean um, Enid Coleslaw from Ghost World big one for me oh yeah oh my god 
Ghost World was such a good shout. You saying Lydia Dietz made me yeah. just think about it because that was a film I was really obsessed with yeah. in the and, and like have basically modelled life yeah. on. And very being... much a similar era to like just after 10, like later than 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. I would have seen that first, but that definitely goes hand in hand with that sort of thing. Had an impact for our um, generation in, oh in particular, I think. I mean, I so had quite a lot, of, um, a lot of feedback from other people. Did you? Yes, I did. I asked some people for theirs. And as I said, I got a really interesting mix of film and TV, which does go to show that film is probably falling behind slightly um, in terms of really standout, memorable female characters who take the lead. Heroic for any whatever reason. That was the thing yeah. I did because I think a lot of people were like, oh, superheroes. Oh, well, there aren't that many. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's no, just no, no, women no. that you just... consider heroic for whatever reason. Yeah. And I got quite a nice variety of people because of that, actually. So that was, that was, um, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, so um, Rob Weston said, obviously, Laurie Strode from Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. And also, I'm just really glad that horror films have, like, I mean, there are some cases to be made, obviously, with kind of women in horror films and misogyny, but there is a lot to be said for the final girls in particular as a trope. Um, he also said Catherine Janeway in Star Trek, but isn't that TV? That is too. Uh, oh, I guess if you, if you thought film, the films, yeah. yeah. Fine, but good shout. Vix definitely just went into TV land and said Tammy Taylor and Leslie Nope. I mean... See, I had to... This is the fine. thing. I had a really hard job and I did not list those people on the basis that's television because yes. otherwise well, we would be spending a lot more time here because I would be listing, yeah. you know... But it is it is interesting. Amanda said, I'm realising this is crazy hard when you remove TV yeah. because film is only just starting to get their shit together with women, which is interesting um, and entirely proves the point. She said Natalie Portman as Lena in Annihilation. Lena? Lena? I can't remember. Maria Von Trapp from The Sound of Music was probably my childhood hero I watched that movie every day and Princess Leia because Carrie Fisher was a hero in her own right Flick said Alabama from True Romance Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 Elle Woods in Legally Blonde um, very good Simone said Olivia Dunham in Fringe TV Georgie said Amelie Leia I'm gonna get this wrong Zhang Zi in House of Flying Daggers I don't I don't I think that's probably names. right we can yes sorry in advance Vaughn said Buffy yes the movie made a big impact on me Mia from The Princess Diaries Matilda Evie from The Mummy which I couldn't I was like yes and no I think personally but yeah it's an interesting one from the mummy mulan uh princess leia the entire cast of a league of their own so there you go with you bailey said all the girls in pitch perfect great Great. victoria uh h also said evie in the mummy sean sheehy also said tammy taylor Uh, mcbride said sigourney weaver is ripley as she is literally the coolest person on the planet also lucy Liu in kill bill because she's lethal. On the um, on just back to Ripley. Every fucking Halloween, I just think like this. This will be the year that I will do Ripley. One I just day, never and do I'm going to do it justice. And the thing with actually watching Captain Marvel with the cat goose yes. in, in Captain oh Marvel. Oh my god! Which I feel like is must... that? A, do you think that's a throwback? Tale? I don't know because I'm not sure about gooses. And the, the cat isn't called goose in the comics. It's called no. Chewy because it's named after Chewbacca. I think. Sure. Um, they changed the name to Goose in the film because it's like a Top Gun reference. Because obviously she's a pilot. But I don't know if it was a reference to Ripley having the cat in Alien. I'll ask someone who finds. Yeah, it's be nice if nice if true. Great if true. Huge or true. just a nice yeah nice coincidence. Again, Simon said, "Can I do TV as well? Because TV generally has been way ahead of film on this front." 
Um, and he talked about Farscape, Battlestar Galactica, Buffy. And back in the movies, he said you have to have Sarah Connor in there somewhere. Ellie said Buffy, Sarah Connor, Moana, Leia, Lara Croft, The Bride and Kill Bill, and Letting the Fast and the Furious. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good take. I'd, I, would, I would accept that. Peggy said Judy Dench and everything, obviously. That's I knew Peggy that was going to be a very Peggy response, but yeah, absolutely fine. A hero to Peggy. Uh, and Stacey said but Hermione Granger, Clarice Starling, Silence of the Lambs. And she also shouted out Olivia Benson in Laura Order and Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. I co-signed the Olivia Benson love. Oh, yes. Shout out to my SVU brethren. <laughs> Who else have you got? Um, well, just some more, actually, that Vaughn sent us on Twitter. Were, uh, I mean, Kat- Vaughn was obviously going to have a good time with this, always. Right. Cat Stratford, the Spice Girls oh and Spice World. Padme, oh, my God, yeah. Padme Armadala from the uh, Star Wars prequels. Oh, yeah. Uh, she said Penny Lane and Elwoods as well. Yes. Um, Sophie said Penny Lane and Elwoods. There was a lot of Penny Lane and Elwoods love, actually, Brilliant. which I really liked. Um, Christina mentioned Sydney from Scream. Yes. Paisley was emphatically pro Ellen Ripley, which I wouldn't have expected anything less from her. Um, Sean also let us know that Lol from This Is England is one of his favourites, and also Ellen Page's character in Hard Candy. Yes, yes. And also Ellen Page in Juno. Juno, yeah. yeah. Heather said Lindsay Lohan in Freaky Friday, and also oh when God. she was a kid, Hermione, Lara Croft, and Hannah. Someone else shouted out Furiosa from Mad Max Fury. Yeah. Road as well. The PS You're Wrong podcast said Dr. Ellie Sadler of Jurassic Park, Wonder Woman, oh, yeah. Furiosa. I forgot about Jurassic Park. All of the Steel Magnolias, 500 Days of Summer because she's a hero for putting up with that guy, <laughs> Ladybird, yeah. Little Women, Elle Woods, Clueless, and of course the Holy Trinity of the More First Wives Club. Yeah. Um, Kelsey mentioned Bridget Jones, um, which actually nice. when I think about the impact that Bridget Jones had on me. I was very never a age. Bridget Jones fan. Well, so. No, but I, I mean, I can appreciate, of... but not for me. Um, also, just going back to Heather as well, she said when she, as a grown-up hit girl from Kick-Ass, Summerfin, Elwood, oh, yeah, Hermione Kick-Ass. Granger still. And then she also mentions, I also think that most of mine as an adult come from TV instead of cinema. Yeah. Uh, the Verbal Diorama podcast mentioned Cher Horowitz. She proves you can mm. be beautiful, rich and popular, but also really sweet, kind and funny. Try and do the right thing, but not always at the right time. Yeah. We could all be a bit more Cher. Uh, Madeline mentioned Marge Gunderson of Fargo, also Marijuana, Furiosa, Matilda, Ripley, Cher Horowitz, and a few other me- others that have already been mentioned. I mean, a lot of them, the same ones came up for us, I think. That's really nice. I mean, I think there's, as you say, there's like a generational like thread there. Like there are very much characters in particular that have stood out to people, um, especially when they were younger as kind of, yeah, influences on them. But it's also just really nice to hear lots of nice female names. And also so many of those films are so popular. It's entirely ridiculous to make any kind of claim that this is, you know, Captain Marvel proves that female-led film is popular because we've always known that. Yeah. Always. Completely. M had M Ledger had a few more as well. Which oh, yeah. is um everyone in Hidden Figures, all the best lasses. Of course. Um Francis Dormand in Three Billboards. That came up a lot actually oh, as okay. well. Hot and, Salvation you, mentioned yeah, that. I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah I can see that. And um, also Sharon Christina in Mermaids and um, Frieza Balk in Waterboy. Oh. And then uh, Kirsty said Janine Garofalo in Reality Bites unashamedly knows who she is. Oh my um, god. Which I also very much co-sign. Brilliant. So it really interesting exercise in actually getting me to think about uh women in cinema and representing and, and whether you know what we consider heroic and actually how many of those films yeah there's that we quite really a spectrum then yeah. of sort of what heroic means yeah. as well which is really nice um so obsession of the week obsession of the week is twofold one of them was andrew scott so i was almost hoping that you wouldn't <laughs> bring him up so that i could talk about him oh, now sorry, but i mean it's very hard to talk about fleabag and not talk about andrew scott at the moment because he is particularly attractive very handsome and it makes me want to watch Sherlock Holmes again. Yes, Moriarty. In particular. Bad, bad man. 
And also, I'm really looking forward to watching Us on Tuesday. And every time I've watched the trailer, I've been really hyped. And that song has been stuck in my head. And I keep thinking about how much I fancy Winston Duke. So that's... He is a tall man. He is a drink of water. He's very handsome. So I'm extremely excited for that. And also non-sexy obsession of the week. And not really an obsession, but something hasn't left my head. Is that I rewatched The Ring the other day at the cinema because... Um, I think it must be an anniversary or a reissue. I'm really lazy and I don't even know. 20 um, years? Uh, yeah, I haven't watched the original years. Ring um, for probably a decade. And it just really, really freaked me out. And um, I really enjoyed it because it reminded me that it's like a really cool kind of procedural, but with this weird sort of bookended beginning and end really freaky stuff. But I tried to listen to a podcast about it afterwards and I actually had to turn it off because it used some sound bites and it was just the noises of it have been freaking me out all week and I haven't been able to go to the loo at night in the dark by myself, which is quite unusual for me because I'm usually pretty. So it's been like an unintentional scary obsession of the week that I can't stop thinking about. What about yours? Uh, Mine is also multiplicit. Yes. Is that a word? Yes, why not? Okay, cool. Multidimensional. Multidimension. There's lots going on, tell Vast. me. I spent a lot of time thirsting over Jude Law post-Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. See, I'm just not a Jude Law fan, Okay, am that's I? fine. We can just be I mean, he had quite nice... I would say he had quite nice arms in that film. They were very beefy. He has eyes of a husky and I can't stop thinking about it. Anyway. They have... Room, yeah, nice eyes. Um, I spent a lot of time watching a lot of Bon Appetit videos this oh, week. Oh, yes, yes. Um, bon Appetit. I'm just obsessed with Bon Appetit. You love Bon Appetit. I just love it so much. Gives me so much joy. In particular, there's a video um, of Carla Lally Music and um, Anthony Porowski from Queer Eye. They do, Anthony, they do this so thing handsome. which is called Back to Back Chefs. So Carla, who's one of the BA writers and chefs, she is instructing Anthony to do some cooking. Uh, both Anthony the actually time. did some cooking. It was wild. Doesn't know the like actually the heated doing. things up. That it wasn't just a salad. They made a croc madame. It's a treat. You should watch it. He's wow. got no clue I've what he's never doing seen, in the kitchen. No, I've never seen him cook before. Yeah, intriguing. Doesn't do it very often. And um, there's also a Bon Appetit podcast, which I'm very into. And also um, Alex Delaney, who works with Bon Appetit and has the best Instagram feed. Is he um, handsome? I am yeah, very into Alex okay. Delaney, yeah. Um, so that, his Instagram stories are like just a joy. Just Lovely. living his best life in New York City, drinking okay. a lot of coffee. I wish we all eating did. Eating a lot of food. Yeah. It's that's the dream, really. Inspirational, yeah. Also, someone I've mentioned before, but we'll mention again, because there was a delightful article and photo spread in the last magazine online of Michael Zegan from oh. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh. Oh, so, April's favourite. I just love him. He's up there, isn't he? As just one of yours. Love him. So there we go. Lovely. We can t- post pictures of that if you like. Yes, I I'll think that would it. be something just that you share would the enjoy. Love. Just share the love. We'll spread the wealth. Go for it. So that's us done. You can find us online Twitter. We're at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts by searching for the thirst. Instagram, we're the thirst pod. The thirstpod.wordpress.com is our blog where we'll be sharing links to articles. Facebook.com forward slash thirst pod. And you can email us if you so wish at the thirst pod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. <laughs>